Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Gloss, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, founder of the Lead Her Shift movement, international best-selling author, speaker, and executive coach, affectionately known to my clients as the catalyst because I make shift happen. My purpose in life is to inspire, empower, and transform lives. I wake each morning with the mission to help you lead with confidence, speak with influence, and connect strategically by getting out of your own head so you can lead. And by lead, I mean learn, experience, apply, and develop. Walking Through Glass, the podcast, is not about breaking through the glass ceiling. It's all about the struggle we face on our journey walking through the glass. Fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems that get in the way of us living the life that we dream and desire. It's time to make the shift, the shift to clarity, confidence, and consistency. It's time for you to join me and my very special guest, Miss Aria Leite on Walking Through Glass, the podcast. Here's our conscious conversation. Hi, how are you doing? I am pumped up after that song. <laughs> I love my theme song. Sometimes I just play it and I just dance to it. And when I had it written and made, and as well as the following um, instrumental, I said, I want something that makes people want to smile and move and, and has a lot of the good vibes and energy in it. And that's kind of love, how I love to start the show. I love it. It made me move, but it also made me very jealous that I don't have my own theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, go ahead. You can play mine on your show if you want to. <laughs> I just like want it for life, like every time I walk in a room. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. This is how it all started, to be honest with you. I remember watching a movie and it was, I don't know, maybe a remake of a classic 70s show or something like that. And but Shaft always had a theme song. And I remember it was an actor or someone spoofy, and they said, if Shaft has a theme song, why can't I? And at that moment, I knew it was gonna be my mission. <laughs> to have my own theme song. So I even imagine people kind of walking behind me, playing. <laughs> <laughs> Hair like blowing in the wind, yes. putting on your sunglasses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So all of that. So although you don't have your theme song, you have an amazing story and you have just done some amazing things. So I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about you and, you know, what makes you so awesome? Oh, 
My favorite subject. Um, uh, well, yeah, I'm Aria, and I um, am a mom, and I'm a wife, and I am the founder of the Mob Nation, which is a national alliance of mom-owned businesses. And I founded that in 2012 uh, as a brick-and-mortar owner and a single mom at the time. And I was just looking for my people. <laughs> I was looking for, well, really just one other mom that was crazy enough to also own a business. And um, we grew. We started just doing events and having a Facebook group. That Facebook group now has like 10,500 members. Um, We were having events in Portland, Oregon. We uh, really just blew up. And now we have 30 events that happen. Well, were happening. nationwide each month uh, with different leaders in different communities. And we just continue to expand. We have a paid membership version of the mob where uh, moms, it's really just a hub for them to have all of the resources, education, connection, and support that you need as somebody that's balancing motherhood and business. I absolutely love it. Thank you. I love it. And I even love the just just the the context and how you began with I was just looking for someone else that <laughs> you know what I mean like I don't need to have a whole bunch of people I mean I need the right one yes right that one built another one which built another one and as we continue to grow exponentially then that's what you get is that mob <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. For real. And it, um, I remember feeling so isolated and in those moments because I didn't know anybody else that was also a mom and also a business owner. And at that time I was thinking I must just be insane for trying to do both at the same time and have this little shop. Um, and yeah, I just needed to find one other person that was just as crazy as I was. And I found uh, thousands. So (laughs) Yay. I mean, like, and and that's the part is that you just have to move. You just have to kind of step out and you just have to say, okay, once I go there, then someone else will see me and be inspired and connect or they'll see alignment. And in that alignment, now, again, we have something um, greater um, to make together. And as you were speaking about that, I thought about why I founded the Lead Her Shift movement with that same context is that I I tell people, don't ever let the smooth look fool you. I've been through some things. (laughs) (laughs) I've been through some things, you know, and as I will be um, 48 in nine days. Oh my goodness. And, uh, (laughs) and as I near 50, to be almost closer to 50 than 40, is that I realized that these experiences and what I call these diva hacks Mm-hmm. I've employed. <laughs> I wasn't looking to be someone's role model, someone's, I was just looking to get me through. Uh-huh. And when I started sharing that, people like, well, how did you do that? I'm like, do what? Oh, that. Right. And yeah. I didn't know it was a thing. And yes. well, I knew it was a thing for me. <laughs> But I thought I was the only one. And so when you said you're just looking for that other person to say, okay, I'm not okay either, but I'm still working on it. Yeah. And when they, when that happened, you're like, oh, it's more of us. <laughs> right. And, and it just is an empower, it's empowering to myself to know that I'm not alone in the room, even though that I'm comfortable standing by myself. Yes, definitely. And this was, you know, 2012, there wasn't the hashtag mom boss culture. There wasn't the, you know, cute coffee mugs and the Instagram um, hashtags and stuff. There was not a lot of room for, in, well, at least in the rooms I was walking into, it was very male dominated. Um, I didn't even see a lot of women at the table at the time. And um, I'm sure there were moms in the room, but it was something that it seemed like you had to hide instead of it being something that you can be both and, you know, have this presence in the room. Uh, and as a single mom, I didn't have time to, you know, hide that with it. So, you know, right. she might be coming along and, and coloring in a coloring book, but I'm still going to, you know, network and make connections and um, offer my services. So, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. When you, um, I was, before I was, you know, I'm a single mom now, but even when I was married, I was a geographical single mom. My ex-husband's in the military. Um, both of them actually. But I just remember um, when I was a classroom teacher, Xavier having to come and I had to grip he, I brought him to work. I go, go sit on the couch or watch TV or lay on the floor. I'd make a pallet or bring snacks because mm-hmm. I had to work late. And then when I transitioned to school administration, and now I'm a school principal. And again, he grew in that space too. And it's like <laughs> now in my office. And he used to actually love it because he could watch TV. I didn't do a lot of TV at home. And so he loved it because he's like, oh, can I go with you? Because he <laughs> watch TV. And, but I just, um, I, he's now 18, mind you. <laughs> so as you look at this whole life experience, there were times where you do feel like, okay, Again, even in 2000, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In 2000, 2003, uh, 2005, you know, when my son was, you know, small, I had a great village around me at a global village, but there were times where it was like, some people go, I didn't even know you had a child, you know, because of when you are moving in certain circles and you're looking to aspire to other positions it can be misconstrued if, oh, you have a small child. Oh, you won't be able to. Right. Yes. To make that. And, and I was, I used to be, you know, concerned. And then I did everything possible to overcompensate. So people knew that I did. So I didn't sleep because, and then I didn't even engage a lot with my child. And I have this, as I'm thinking Mother's Day is coming up. But I still have to ask you the question, but you just triggered so many of these fun memories. <laughs> when you start talking about being a mom, I love, I said, everything I learned about being a great person and leader, I learned from being a mom, but Xavier's mom. But I remember coming home and I would sit him down. I would get his food ready and he had his own little table, you know, a little play table. I put his food there while he was eating. I'd go run to go take care of this, put laundry in, go, you know. I never sat down and ate. And I just remember taking and sitting him down one time and I came back and he looked like a monster. He had stuff all over his face. He was eating <laughs> like a savage, right? And I was like, why are you eating like a savage? And it hit me in the solar plexus because you've never sat down to eat with him. Hmm. You gave him food. I'm talking about mom guilt to the nth degree. You gave him food. <laughs> You set him down, you tried to pack everything in, mm-hmm. and then you would go clean him up. And then maybe before you went to bed, you might have grabbed something, you know what I mean? To right. eat. But you were doing that. And it. so I realized that, oh my gosh. And I remember sitting on the floor crying. Like, I literally, literally have created this little Sesame Street monster. He watched it all the time. And, and, <laughs> I made a decision that no matter what, I was going to sit and eat with him. Even if I didn't feel like eating, I was yeah. going to sit and teach him how to eat because he wouldn't, he wasn't even holding his fork right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was crazy. I mean, I don't know. That was a whole bunch of what I didn't think I was going to talk about. But when you were talking <laughs> about that space and, and being a single mom and starting this business, now that in itself is like, wow, tell us a little bit about that, you know, you know, more to the, how was it for you? Not just the, I know it was hard, but I meant for you as an individual and how your mindset. Oh, um, well, I was pretty, uh, blissfully unaware at the time (laughs) how, um, crazy owning a business was. In fact, when I was in high school, we had to, write a paper about what business we would start and do all the research about it for months and, you know, talk about our reflections of it. And I ended mine saying I would never own a business. I thought that it was just so crazy that it wasn't for me, um, seemed stressful. Um, but still for whatever reason, I, I guess I was 25. I was totally forgot that I said all of those things that it seems horrible. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. I have a I'm an idea. Why not? Um, and just set out to do it. And um, yeah, I kind of just learned along the way. Um, so that's amazing. But, 
yeah, it got me, it got me to be able to understand all the different, um, ins and outs. Um, and I made so many mistakes and I learned so much more from those mistakes and those failures than I would have if somebody were to tell me, you know, how to do it right the first time. Um, so I'm grateful for the university of life that I was in for five years of owning that brick and mortar. Cause I learned a lot. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Now, again, the name of the show is, of course, Walking Through Glass. And I've begun to ask every um, guest to tell me when you think about the term or you heard the term or even when you saw it, like, that's the name of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what were your what were your thoughts? Um, I'm a really visual person. So when I hear that, you know, I obviously picture glass all over, um, but some really like amazing shoes <laughs> walking through it anyways. Um, but I just think of all the, the painful and uncomfortable and messy parts of life as, um, a woman, life as a woman entrepreneur, uh, life as a mom and still having to walk through that anyway, uh, gracefully, um, and acting like it doesn't hurt. <laughs> mm. um, and, you know, I just pictured that there's that goal on the other end of it um, and just continually having to shatter more um, obstacles in the way and just walking through all of those obstacles and the mess and the pain and the uh, grief that goes along with it is what I was envisioning. Wow. Yeah, that is <laughs> that and and when you see the cover because that's actually it started with the book I started writing the podcast came after I started writing the book and that the book was still in development and I was starting I moved from live talk radio I did LA talk radio for a while and I wanted to go have a little more um, control and flexibility on my schedule and I said I'm going to go to podcasting and I said well the name of my talk radio show was get real with Dr. Dina and I said okay but I kept thinking, okay, my book's coming out. I want to, you know, create some symmetry with my branding. Yeah. And so I was like, I can just call it walking through glass. And it's going to be like the pre stuff till I get to the book. Mind you, you know, we're the next year later and the book evolved and it's still growing. And it's actually going to be even more powerful and dynamic than I initially thought. And the podcast has, has taken off. And every time I thought about changing the name, I couldn't. I just, it, I couldn't. And people said, no, 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 don't change the name. I, I, I it, it just brings and it resonates on so many different levels. And at the time when I began writing and working with it, it was about the executive women that I was working with and coaching. Mm -hmm. And I was attending these women's events and speaking at them. And it was all about breaking through the glass ceiling. Yes. And they would speak about this glass ceiling and, you know, um, you know, be bold, kick through the glass. And it was all of that. And I was sitting in that moment and I'm a deep thinker. Um, I'm a super nerd, a fabulous one, but a super, super nerd. So <laughs> I, and I, there's no, I'm unapologetically a super nerd. And so when I was listening to them and then behind the scenes, what they were coming to me for was different. I'm like, okay, you put on the front, you, you have the C-suite, you got the corner office, you have the paycheck, the prestige, the position, but yet you're still broken. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of insecurities and you have a lot of self-doubt. You're suffering from imposter syndrome. And it's all these things. Some of it as a result of what then it hit me, it said, of walking through the glass. Mm -hmm. Attitudes didn't necessarily change at that old boys club. They just let you in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's where... It came from, which I said, it's not about, can I teach you how to get in your power pose? And can I teach you gravitas and executive presence? Absolutely. Do I teach that? Absolutely. But where my heart is and what my calling is, is to help women shift the way they think about themselves. Yes. And how they lead. And it's a inner game mastery. It's what's going on in your head. Because when you walk in the room, if you don't understand your triggers, and why you don't feel like you're enough or I'm doing um, a special panel and a, a group 
on Saturday or this coming um, weekend on debunking Superwoman and that you overcompensate and all these things. And so that's how I felt in the positions that I had been in, being a senior leader, being around a predominantly male environment, also being a dynamic, gorgeous cocoa woman uh, (laughs) and people thinking I was younger than I was. I bet. You know, Mm -hmm. and then being a mom. Yeah. (laughs) All of those layers just, you know, it it brings out so many um, limiting beliefs and stories. And, you know, I'm actually also a mindset coach and um, I do that in the small percentage of time that I have. Uh, And I really only uh, went through coaching certification to understand how to lead better and how to, um, be a better leader for my team and my members. Um, and then it just grew so organically and I went through some crazy mindset shifts around all of those, you know, outdated stories and the triggers and stuff that you're talking about. And yeah, it's crazy to think back a couple of years ago, just never realizing how those old trauma stories and, um, limiting beliefs that didn't serve me anymore, how that was just ruling every piece of my life and how every interaction and every business transaction and every networking event. um, And I see that so much in the women that are either mob members or partners or my clients. And it doesn't matter how high up they get or how, um, you know, powerful or gorgeous or rich. If you have those underlying stories, they're just going to keep popping up (laughs) over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Until you. Absolutely. I mean, I love neuroscience and psychotherapy for like a fraction of two seconds. I consider going back to school to become a psychologist. And I thought, okay, no. (laughs) I'm a researcher. My doctorate's in ed leadership and re- research. So my PhD's in research and leadership. And so I had to study elements of that, but I always wanted to go deeper. And so I've made it now part of my practice and my current quest to actually do a more extensive leadership yes. um, studies and neural leadership, how the brain works, how to um, mitigate the triggers. And something I saw um, the other day just really kind of irritated me because right now in this COVID crisis or corona, corona, corona apocalypse, I think I call it, <laughs> um, um, I see a lot of different things pop up and, you know, coach stuff, et cetera. And I, and I saw something and someone said, you know, I help you get rid of imposter syndrome. Do you have to mitigate it? it? So, I mean, I'm saying, I'm not saying that it's a, it's a super high state of consciousness that I don't even think Deepak Chopra has got there yet. Yeah. that level, do they really understand the art and science of becoming? And so for me, I love the intellectual track to helping people understand their mindset blocks and triggers, as opposed to, I just read something, I, you know, got a meditation book or someone gave me (laughs) a packet and said, if you read this, pay me $49, you are now, you understand everything. And so when I see that, I realized that I never wanted to be identified as a coach, mm. even though as a school principal, educator, I've done that my whole life, to be honest with you. And so now I am, I decided that, okay, so what do I, what is it? I am working on being the foremost thought leader on imposter syndrome and mastering your inner game. And that's the research study and peer-reviewed journals and articles. (laughs) And I'm not saying you have to go to school and do all those things to know things. That is not what I'm saying, people that are listening. I am not an intellectual snob, maybe a little bit, but not an intellectual snob. (laughs) But I knew 
part of my personal brand, what made me feel good was speaking to it from an academic base as, as, as opposed to just being charismatic because now don't tell anybody y'all <laughs> that I have this tendency when I, when I go and I speak sometimes and I'm at groups, they go, it's kind of like you do this thing and they, they get a little hypnotized. Yeah. <laughs> very kind of charismatic and like they're like oh my god you're talking I kind of get hypnotized and I appreciate that as a speaker because I put work into it but I realized that I didn't just want them to be hypnotized for the moment I wanted to give them strategies and tools to have a transformation for a lifetime yeah and and that was my impetus and that was the desire behind what I wanted to do and what I do and even helping women walk through the glass. And I love what you're doing with, you know, I just love saying mob nation to be honest with you. <laughs> well, we are a mob. It is a mob. <laughs> I, love, I love, 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 love. So tell us a little bit more about mob nation and, and where is it going? How is it growing? What do you want to do next with it? Um, world domination mostly. <laughs> um, you know, it is so complex and it has taken so many different turns um and evolved so much over the years and you know, there's so many different layers like what we were talking about because there's I want it to be a hub for resources, but I also want it to be a place where we're nurturing the mom side and we're expanding the business owner side and we are helping women find their own identity beyond, you know, being a business owner and being a mother. Um, And really, we just do that by leading by example and, you know, shifting the conversations and um, just kind of organically, quote unquote, coaching. I actually hate that word, too. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I've been uh, trying to because people are like, you're a coach. And I'm like, no, I don't like that (laughs) word. Probably just what I envision from um, some bad experiences. But I do know some amazing coaches. But um, yeah, so um it just continues to evolve, and um, we have the most dedicated members that you've ever met. Like, they are um, – the mob is a lifestyle. It's way more than just a group. Uh, we have really created our own microeconomy because we believe – we have a hashtag, uh, there's a mob for that, and our uh, directory mm-hmm. is actually there's a mob for that.com because we just are so dedicated to supporting – each other first over big box retailers. And we've, like I said, created this micro economy because if I'm buying my coffee and my toothpaste and my clothing and my, you know, hair products from different mobs, now they have money to go invest in the course that this other mob is creating. And now that person has more wealth to spread to go treat herself to a mob spa or, you know, get her hair and nails done from mobs. So it's just really this ongoing cycle of getting people to just shift their mindsets about, um, showing up for each other, supporting each other in every way possible, emotionally, financially, um, mentally, and just becoming the hub, like I said, like the one-stop shop for everything that you need for um, surviving this crazy idea to be a mom and a business owner. So we just, we've, been very careful in how we've cultivated this unique culture and we're very protective of it. So we grow very slow and strategically and organically to make sure that it never gets diluted and that everything that made it special can continue um, and stay consistent. So I just want to be in more cities and have more leaders that are bringing our events and um, the opportunity to more areas. And I, I always think back to how lonely I was before I started the mob, even though I was surrounded by people. Like I, I know now just how important it is, especially with like the COVID going on, like, so many of our members would be so lost right now, myself included, without just the constant um, 
support and the safe space. And, you know, there's still money flowing through the mob like crazy. And, you know, even more than ever, the people that, you know, have a a lot of the wealth in the group are making sure to spread it around and invest in other moms to keep them going. And um, so, yeah, it's just, I guess that's just a long way of saying (laughs) keep pushing that, keep evolving to be, uh, what moms need and to keep um, continuing to up-level their mindset about how to be successful and to charge with their worth and to um, control more wealth of the world so that we can continue to make a bigger difference in the world. I love it. When you have your first Mob Nation TED Talk, I want to (laughs) be... stage or your mob talks um, um, to do that. But it's it's just like listening to you is so inspirational and it's so, um, it's touch Like, I don't know, like when you were speaking, there was all kind of like little butterflies <laughs> that was happening and fluttering around. And it's, it was really beautiful. And I say that because contrary to what I don't know where they get this from beliefs. They'll say women don't support each other. Women, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. that's not true. Yeah. Well, I, what I've, I think that stems from, um, you know, having to go into the male dominated worlds, we had to force ourselves into these, um, masculine boxes. We had to like take on some masculine traits in order to learn how to, you know, be at the table. Um, and I think that that was like the only way that we could prove ourselves is to, you know, not have these feminine ways of doing business and not have emotions and not have creativity and not have strong connections. Um, and so I think that that era of trying to force, uh, masculine traits onto businesswomen um, is what kind of fed that idea that women are catty to each other or they don't support each other. You know, it's, it, there was only room for a few women at the table. So, you know, if yeah. we get for that spot, um, now that we're realizing we just build bigger tables and we, you know, build them with each other um, and we don't have to sit at the table with these guys at all. I think that the more feminine traits are coming out in such a beautiful way of just that heart connection and getting to know people on a soul level and um, compassionately caring for each other and wanting each other's success just as much as you want it for yourself. Like right now, you know, so many people are getting denied the loans and the assistance and the grants. Um, but the people that are getting it, like our group is just celebrating them and saying like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that you got that. You know, there's no animosity of why did you get it and I didn't. And I think that it's just, it's so beautiful the way that this group continues to collaborate. And I mean, we're talking like one coffee shop gets it and another doesn't. And that coffee shop being genuinely excited for the other shop, you know? Um, right. Come, that, that kind of um, sisterhood and that kind of um, relationship capital. And one of the things that not only do I speak about in, in my group, but when I'm speaking out on public platforms is that the best capital you can ever have and invest in is relationship capital. Yes. And it'll get you through the times when other capital doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Is that that relationship that, you know, I am my sister's keeper and um, I I love the passion in which you speak about the group. It's obviously not just a labor of love. It's an extraordinary business model. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like not. And when we are doing what we love, it's not work. Right. And we're adding so much value. Yes. Um, I will say since you, um, said something on that, um, something that I had to learn, uh, since we 
talked about mindset is that you can do something that makes a difference in the community and also make money. (laughs) And I think that that is um, just a a limiting belief and a story that we have that it's like one or the other. And, um, you know, I went into both of my businesses being like, I don't want to make a lot of money. I just want to give and serve. Um, And that was something I had to rewrite and that I'm trying to rewrite within the members is you can do both. This is a labor of love and I get so much out of it just emotionally and spiritually. And, um, I feel like it's a worthwhile legacy. Um, but I also deserve to be compensated for the labor of love and the skills. And, um, that's something that's been a huge focus the past year, um, for my clients. And for a reason. Yes. (laughs) It's, it's a current, it has to flow. (laughs) Yes. I remember, um, that money mindset is huge. And I have, like I said, when I say you're so inspiring is that I have a Facebook group, the Leadership Collective. And when I started to even think about what I wanted to build in 2016, just a couple years ago, I literally just transitioned from a 20 plus year career into entrepreneurship. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I was, I'm in the process of moving. I was going through some boxes and I, I was triggered because I started touching a life that had become almost submersed in things because there were some traumatic things. I literally was going through boxes and looking at my material. I mean, I was like, oh, wow, I did used to do that, you know, and not on a little scale either. Like I was a 2012 Blue Ribbon principal. I'm an award-winning school minister. I've sat on charrettes. I've designed, I mean, done big things, but that was so far at the recesses that I put out of my mind based on a lot of things that happened at the end of that cycle and that season in my life. I didn't want to think about it. So when I wanted to um, kind of start something, I said, I want a digital learning platform um, that really highlights other women business owners, kind of like you know, the, um, the Craigslist, but for women's businesses. And so mm-hmm. it was great to see that's exactly what you've done with the mob nation. So I don't need to do that now, child. It's just our, <laughs> you know, but now, <laughs> yeah, just send them over to the mob nation.com. <laughs> but, but really what my passion is, is about radical personal growth and development that impacts leadership. And so I, I do do with some of my, you know, one-to-one clients, I do do business strategy and bring all that kind of stuff like that. And I don't usually speak about this a lot because I told people I'm a little bit more holistic than that. I want you to get your Mm -hmm. whole life. And so (laughs) you can't separate your life from your leadership. And it's kind of what you said earlier. I did such a touch to do that. And so as I just recently decided that, okay, if you're going to do this. And so this coronacation gave me the time to not work on other people's projects, building their platforms to sit and go back to my why of what I really wanted to do. And to like you, I re- I wanted to be organic. I wanted to be, I'd rather have a powerful 100 than a flaky 10,000. Uh-huh. And so who's like, oh, you can do, I don't, don't want to do that. Not right. everybody belongs in my group. <laughs> Not everybody's attached needs to attach to this because <laughs> energy is can't be made or destroyed and it's going to flow. And I don't want that necessarily flowing around me if it's not in alignment. And so now looking even, like I said, when I started to learn more about the Mob Nation, I was like, I love that. That is the type of different, the type of community and so when I started to pour into the leadership collective, that was that other piece of, okay, I need to show up more. They're asking me for these different tools to assist because I did not necessarily see myself as being the leader that they needed to be the answer to what their next was. I knew I did that, but I had to go back and go over some tape um, and deal with some traumas of my own. Yes. Because I was oh, like, yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't, not that I, I never felt that I couldn't. 
I was like, I don't want to be that. I spent X amount of years having to have all the answers. I don't want to have to have all the answers. I want to just be. Right. Yeah. I, I did not go into the mob expecting that I was going to be a leader. And it really was um, a process for me to step into that role, even though, you know, that role was, um, it was organically created. It was already there, but I was just, I kept pushing back against stepping into that power and stepping into that role. Um, I mean, I know now that at the time I didn't feel that I was worthy of it deep down. That was one of my limiting beliefs in my outdated stories. And, you know, I didn't want people to get too close to me because, you know, imposter syndrome. And when they find out what I'm really like, then they're definitely not going to want to like be a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had to unpack so much to, um, start stepping in and start showing up and be, I mean, they were looking to me to be this leader. They're asking for it. They're begging for me to be this leader. And as soon as I started, you know, walking through the glass to uh, get to that role and to be there, then it just all started to develop. And, you know, every time that I up level um, in my career and, and mind chip, mindset wise and going through the shifts and stuff, um, you know, a new layer is uncovered and those limiting beliefs start to trickle in again of like, okay, we made it through that level, but now you're not going to get to (laughs) this one. You're not gonna, you know, up level past this again. Um, Oh, that's what my coach, uh, my mindset coach, Paul Martinelli, it says you will never rise above your own limited beliefs or your belief of yourself. And so you literally have to intent intentionally yes. begin to make those shifts and those changes. And, and one thing that um, I love to share with everybody, it's kind of my part of the <laughs> blueprint. Anyone that'll listen. I, <laughs> you may not listen. I say it to myself a lot too, especially <laughs> in times of triumph and trials and tribulations, is that there's three things that you need to have if you want And when I say success, I'm not talking about just the dollars and cents, but that's included. Um, If you want to be successful, if you want to live the life that you dream and desire, you need to have clarity, you need to have confidence, and you need to have consistency. If any one of those things are missing, something's not right. Think about what went well in your life. All three were present. (laughs) Think about a time when things did not go the way you planned or thought. At least one of those things was missing. And so when I start to think and apply that to the way I thought about myself, I realized I first had to get clear about who I was, who am I? And I asked my my clients, I even ask um, on my show, I ask from the stage, I'll ask, ask yourself this question, where is the lie in my life and what am I willing to sacrifice to learn the truth? Oh, hello. That will bring (laughs) you to clarity. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to journal that one later. Right? Because you then, yeah. and, and get quiet. Yeah. Keep asking and then be quiet. <laughs> yes. And, and, and then once you get clear about that, once you're clear, you can be confident. You can be confident in the face of adversity. You can be confident in the face of naysayers. You can be confident and stand in the room by yourself. You can be confident in a crowded room once you're clear about who you are. Yes. Not somebody else's image of you. And then now that you have clarity and now you're confident, now guess what's going to happen? You will have consistent practices you'll have a consistent workflow because you'll begin to show up as yourself. Amen. Period. Period. And so my daughter always says, period. (laughs) Period. And I started doing that and I said, oh, I have something here. And and the C3 blueprint is actually nine C's, but it's a C with an exponential um, three on it. But if you interchange them, I like things in threes. (laughs) If you interchange them, it's it's really that anchor when you think about that bridge, that stool to keep a stool standing up. There's those three pivot, those three points that you need. 
And so, you know, whether you can interchange, but you always got to have clarity no matter what, but you might need commit. You might need a little bit of communication. You might need some other collaboration if you're talking about a works, you know, but I just started to really think about what if I started applying what I know to be the truth instead of the lie to my life every day. Yeah. And when I started doing that, because I was like, girl, how are you? I, now I'm telling you, this is crazy. I'll go, so how are you today? I'm asking myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody else does that. I'll go, so no, look, no, seriously, how, how, how are you today? And I'm like, okay, well, today I, I'm going to have to give, have, give everybody 50 feet because I'm probably going to snap. It's um, <laughs> 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 going on. I feel grumpy. I feel, you know, and, and I start having these little conversations with myself. In, in early on. And so then I knew how to mitigate the rest of the day or even forewarn people. I'm like, mm, today probably is not your day. Don't do that. Maybe not even tomorrow either. But. Tomorrow either. But I started creating what I call these little diva hacks. And I started openly talking to Heffa. Heffa is that inner critic, that inner bully. Mm. And I keep saying the book that's coming after Walking Through Glass and half uh, is almost ready. It's called Shut Up Heffa. <laughs> <laughs> I am stealing that. And I'm also going to tell my friend Maury about it because she's going to love that too. She just calls it the inner bitch, but mm-hmm. she's going to love Heffa. You got to name that trick. You need to name that trick. And, <laughs> um, and, and you have to make the unconscious conscious to battle because if you stay on the inside and this is particular to whether you're um, a mom who owns a business or even as a mom, period, without a business, is that your amygdala, that subconscious, that ego, it knows all your crypt secrets, even the ones that you don't even know. And Mm -hmm. so if you're going to argue in your head, you're going to lose. So I actually bring the battle to my, to common ground. I bring it to the consciousness. So I start talking to Heffa and it's, I do it so much now that now everybody's like, oh yeah, I what's mine. And I tell people, name them, name that trick, name that. Trick. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 and I, and they go, where'd you get it from? I said, cause you know, like when we were young, I don't know about other people, but you know, black neighborhoods, this black grandma, there was a little fast girl. Like, oh, look at that Heffa. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> She was always fast and, and nosy and, and just the person you didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Showing up at your porch, just telling you all sorts of things. <laughs> Girl, <okay. laughs> I started doing that. And, and I told people that it has become liberating because now you are operating in a present consciousness. And the only truth is the conscious now. If you're in your head, you're not going to win. So when I start saying, okay, Heffa, you don't think that I can do this? Watch me. And I move anyway. Or what it usually, it just, I just had a recent trigger because I had a situation with someone and we had a disagreement. I don't know if this happens to any people that you know are in your life or in your marriage. <laughs> I don't know if this happens to y'all. But something happened and something was said. And I was triggered. And Heffa starts saying, see, nobody cares about you. Uh-huh. You're having to do things on your own. No one's going to support you. And it just went all in. Everybody lets you down. That's why you got to, you need to go do something real quick. Go do this because if you don't do this, you're in half a started in. And now that I'm consciously aware and I started naming, I said, okay, Heffa, (laughs) why did so-and-so do this? Right. And I had to talk myself back into now I might still be in a little funk, but I'm not over into that um, reaction stage. I now can respond to the situation. And that's how, when I say, when people say, I'm going to tell people how to get rid of your critic and get rid of the bully. It ain't ever going nowhere, honey. Cause the bully is you. You've got to learn how to mitigate that thing. You're going to have to learn how to talk to it. So I don't know if you guys do any of that within your mob nation, if you have moms that kind of struggle with that, or if you kind of have to deal um, with that to be this leader for everyone who's always looking at you to be the leader, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, we all have it. So I'm, you know, 
I think being able to say shut up, Huffa is probably going to be like the most life changing <laughs> thing ever. And I'm actually picturing what she looks like. And <laughs> you know I think I'm going to do a workshop and I might do a Facebook live. And then, then you're all pretty too. Then you'll become, and it's going to be name that trick. <laughs> Only if you like redo the hustle and flow song. So that okay. it's like, name that trick. Okay, I'll write some wrong name song. Right. But I, 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 that's, that's what I wanted and realized that was what my life's work and my mission is, is to help women do this. So can I, I'm a high creative. So when people talk, I start seeing programming and, and I do a lot. I help people think and create. You start talking, I'll give you like 10 products to sell, how to sell it. I do that all day long. Oh my God. That is me too. But Hello. this is <laughs> But this part is what I knew I struggled with on my journey. And this is what feeds my soul is to help women because in this season, God just told me you're in a season of midwifery. He said, you're a midwife. That's your season right now. He said, you're to help, help those that I've planted the seed and that they there is stuck to help them birth that. And he said, what a midwife does, it's not just birthing the baby. It's actually helping nurture and getting it, um, you know, primed and ready and taking you through and at the beginning, all the way through the birth. And then even with the follow-up and he said, where, where do we get stuck? We get stuck on the how we get stuck in our heads. And I decided that that's what I wanted to, I wanted to work with is helping women get out of their head so that they can really do all the bomb ass stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're supposed to do. Yes. And, and that, and that's, like I said, that's kind of, you know, the leadership movement in a nutshell, that's the purpose of walking through glass. That's all of that. And like, like I said, you're so, it's like so mellow. I feel like, I wish I had like, I don't even smoke cigarettes, but a cigarette and a <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she's so peaceful. But I definitely want to make sure before we kind of close down or anything else, is that if you, all of the the moms out there or even those people that are in and out of the mob nation, if you had to give them that one, you know, golden nugget to, to process through the right now, you know, whatever that right now is in your mind and how you frame it, what would you tell them? to proceed and process right now. Goodness. You know, every podcast interview that I've done ends with a question sort of like this, like, or, or comes up in some way, like what would be this golden thought nugget? And then I'm like, what, what would it be? Um, my biggest thing right now is flow, not force. And if you're, if you're in a constant state of, flow, whether that be in creating content or, you know, just how your day is going to be, especially right now when, you know, there's so much going on that we can't control. If you just flow with what is happening and flow with what, you know, God and the universe is putting in front of you and not try to force your way against it, just flow with the current. Don't try to, you know, go upstream. Then, Life just starts getting easy, and life should be, can be easy. Um, so I, I'm just big into flow right now, and I have to check myself. Probably check half a um, about a lot. Like, are we? Yeah, are we? Are we forcing this right now, or are we flowing with it right now? And and when I check myself and get back into center, then. You know, and it ties into everything because if you're so aligned with what, you know, if you're aligned with your flow, then you really can make conscious, intentional decisions and know what's best for you um, in the moment. Because there's going to be times when like, okay, you need to push through this hurdle or there's times where it's like, no, you need to rest and, you know, 
conquer that obstacle another day. But when you're aligned and you're flowing, then you can tap into that energy so much better, if that makes sense. Um, And it helps just quiet all of the other noise and help you make that other decision. Oh, it makes perfect, perfect, perfect sense. I mean, it's the sum of um, all the things that I believe right now in alignment. And one of the things that I've shared on across, I think, all my platforms is for people to take inventory and take stock right now. And if there's anything that's out of alignment, then get rid of it. Yes. If it doesn't match. Okay, here's the thing. Let's go back to the animals phase. Go match up with your animal. <laughs> if that line or that color don't go with that outfit, get rid of it. It don't work. And so, right? You know, it's mom's not on Garanimals, boy. But, but it's, it's, it's all of those things. And that's where I'm at. And, and I had to also, again, I go back to that question, where's the lie in my life? And what am I willing to sacrifice to know the truth? Am I willing to sacrifice money, time, relationships? Mm. Um. And, you know, money, do I need a coach? Do I need some support? Do I need some therapy? Do I need, you know, another bottle of fancy wine? Whatever, you know, <laughs> do, I, do I need some more meditation time? Do I need some quiet time? Do I, you know, do I need to make time, you know, to read or to be present? Um, but the the one that's been the most challenging, uh, but has been the most liberating is the relationships that I have purged. Yes especially the narcissistic ones. Uh And I realized that, again, what do they really do for me? Yeah, I said it. What do they (laughs) do for me? Okay. Because I have expectations of my friends. And I tell them, I have an expectation of you. If you get the name friend, not person I know, because a lot of people, I'm a friend, go, you're not my friend. <gasps> you said, yeah. yeah, I said, I don't use that term lightly. You're not my friend. You're somebody I know. <laughs> and they look at me like this, bitch. You know? <laughs> but I was like, I don't know. I'm confident <laughs> Yeah, they be calling me halfway. Yeah, that is the <laughs> And so I, I broke it down to them and I said, when you say, when I say the word friend, this is, I, your meaning may be different, but when I say you're my friend, that means if you call me at 1 a.m., I'm kind of going to answer, do I need the ninja suit or the shovel? What you, what you, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. If you dropped your children off and I open the porch and they're there, I'm going to just bring them in, put them in the bed with mine, feed them in the morning and know you'll be back whenever. Mm-hmm. That's a high level of <laughs> yes. trust and connectivity. So a friend means you are my family. You are my family. And in the beginning, I did not put those parameters and, and have that clarity of understanding. And that's why when I was hurt by pseudo friends and frenemies, Yes. I was hurt because mm-hmm. my understanding of friendship was not theirs. And guess whose fault it was? Mine. Because I didn't articulate that I had an expectation of them. Yes. And so now I'm very clear. And people are like, well, how long do it take me to be your friend? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's, not a, it's not a time thing, you know? It's, yeah, it's not time. Not how you earn it. it. Would I trust you with my baby pumpkin? How about that? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) because I've met some people and I knew instantaneously, I'm like, we're family. Yeah. We're We're family. Yeah. And and it didn't take that. So it's a spiritual connection. And there's an alignment, like you were speaking to, that that I, I just know. And others who it's almost like I feel like I'm having little minor quakes being in California. Everything, they always set off the little Richter scale. And my spirit is disturbed when they're around me and mm-hmm. I'm agitated. And so I asked myself during this coronation, some of you, I still want you to stay. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and stay in isolation. <laughs> I, I'm I, stay I'm six feet away from me at all times anyway, even after this is over. 
And it's not that they did anything that they were bad, but I realized that there's something about who they are that's not in alignment. And I don't want that in my life because where I'm growing to is bananas. And I need to get all that energy to my growth, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I need to give it all. I, I'm pruning, okay? And sometimes I have to pluck some of the prettiest most buoyant flower. If you know anything about flowers, you got to pick off the one that's the fattest because it's taking all the nutrients from the rest. You sometimes got to chop those off too, because they take up a lot of time. They might be pretty. You might think that they have a lot going. You might think that that's the, the one that's your iconic, you know, person, but it's not. You print, you chop that thing off. You do some pruning and watch the rest of every other area flourish. I love that analogy. It's also important to know the flip side of it too, is that, you know, some people might cut you off. Some people might cut me off and I I don't need to have an explanation and I don't need to, and that's none of my business because, you know, if it doesn't align with them, they don't owe me any explanation why. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like one of the most powerful lessons that I learned was, you know, nobody needs to give me any reason why. And it doesn't matter what I've done or how I've shown up or, you know, if it, if it didn't click and it wasn't right for them and they had to set that boundary, then I just have to respect that and, and move on, you know, and they're not a bad person for it. Probably on that fifth or sixth level. Because I'm like, I I know I'm the bomb. And I'm like, I love me. And if you do, it's a bonus. And if somebody cuts me off, yeah, I do agree with that. But initially, me and Heff are going to put them in the haterade bunch. (laughs) I'm that good, good friend. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm that good, good. (laughs) But you're right. People don't owe me an explanation. But what I had to do is I owed myself an understanding that mm-hmm. just because yeah. they didn't want to be around me anymore didn't mean that I was less than and that right. there was something wrong with me. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what I had to get to, kind of like what you were saying. And I had to understand that sometimes people don't even know why. And I, and I did. I went to a couple people and I said, I... When I say I was hurt, I had a lot of friend hurt. That's a whole nother show is that I said, I don't understand. You know, I've pretty much gave you my soul mm-hmm. and I thought like you were whatever. And in the beginning it was like, what did I, you know, if there's some area, again, I'm not going to change me, but if there's something I offended or I did, let me know. I don't want to repeat those mistakes and I want to make sure, you know, whatever. Right. And so when that didn't come and I just kind of prayed about it. And God said, you know, some people have a hard time dealing with the largesse of you. Mm -hmm. And they don't even know why you bother them so much. They love you. They're attracted to you, which is why they kind of want to be around a little bit. But the largesse of you bothers them. And you're so oblivious to it. that (laughs) That irritates the heck out of them even more. Yeah. And I was like, what? But I didn't do, you didn't have to do anything. Right. It's just who you are. I remember as a one of before my, my last year as a school administrator, um, I used to get these, you know, they put those little complaints and they'll do these email complaints or whatever else. Do you know, I got a complaint in my box that she smiles too much. She wears a flower. I, I saved them. I actually still have them. She wears a flower in her hair and she's smiling at everybody. Oh my gosh. Well, that doesn't fit the narrative. Of- I was like, <laughs> I was like this. <laughs> I am ridiculed for being happy. No. Yeah. So I'm telling you, I've been through, I had to go through a whole lot of whatever because I couldn't understand. I was giving, I was pushing, and I kept trying harder to please because I said, kept saying that I really care. And I just want you to know that I care. And if you know that I really care, I'm a good person. And so I had to get to the point to really fall in love with myself. Mm-hmm. And when fell in love with me. I mean, when I fell in love with me, that began to break the tape and the cycle because the only time that you can't, you, you can um, buck that subconscious system, that rote system is when you're in love. So when you're in love with old Jerko, number one, that's why you gave your money. You did everything. You didn't. <laughs> and a lot of love is when you realize what the hell, how did I end up with him? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's why you bought all the shoes, you bought all the sneakers. Right. <laughs> interesting. In the same way that happens when you're a mom. 
which is why moms, they've seen it where they can lift car. I mean, they do Herculean things when their babies are in danger or their children are at risk. Yeah. And so love is the one true disruptor and, and, you know, game changer. And so I propose to you listeners out there as well, fall in love with you, hopefully madly in love with yourself and watch what happens in your world. Yes. Love that. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. I love my imperfections. I laugh at myself. Me and Heffa sometime have a drink together. (laughs) She ain't all bad. You she know, tries, you know, she tries sometimes. She, she just wants trifling. to keep it safe. Yeah, she's trifling, but she's there because she wants to protect me. Yeah. She wants to do what she does out of love. And the thing is that it's distorted by all of this other tape that I even that I didn't have control over and that it's at the recesses of and at that subconscious level. And so because of that and a whole host of other things for those people catch the show, I'm probably going to do on toxic shame and our whole neurological, psycho- psychological DNA. I, I feel like that show is coming because, <laughs> you know, because people want to know, well, why am I? Okay. Why do I now I'm going to send you to the therapist. I ain't, I'm not your therapist <laughs> through the cycles. And to give you a sense of awareness, and then I'm gonna give you some numbers to call for get some help because <laughs> I <don't> want that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> in all of that, I, I definitely want to. Like I said, I could go on for. I know, like I always say, oh, we're gonna have a great 30 minute show. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, yeah, it went to. But see, this is a special edition for you guys. You got a special mob nation there special. You go. You got a special mob. And guess what I'm going to do? This mob nation is going to come to you. You know what? I love this so much. I'm going to drop it on my birthday. Okay, sure. Our our production cycle is out. I can't wait. This is too good. The production cycle is (laughs) This is the special edition. Okay? So you guys get your notepads out. And if you're not, let's tell... Where do they follow you at? Before I do a course, I want to make sure that they know how to connect with you, how to find the Mob Nation, how to join the Mob Nation, and how to shop with the Mob Nation. Where's the best way to um, reach you and get a hold of the Mob Nation? Uh, we can go to the main website, themobnation.com. You can join the Alliance there. You can uh, read the blogs. You can find out one of our 30-plus events that happens uh, each month, hopefully one day again in person. And then we also have virtual events where women from all over the country get together via Zoom as well. Um, you can go directly to the uh, directory at there's a mob for that.com. You can follow us on Instagram. It's at the dot mob nation because – the person that has the mob nation won't give it up. <laughs> and it hasn't used hasn't used it in years, but can't get so that deleted. This for that's what that ninja suit is for. <laughs> I have tried. Um, so Kenny, if you're listening, please give up at the mob nation, please. And um, you can also follow me at Aria Lighty on Instagram as well. Oh, so amazing! What an amazing, amazing, amazing show. Well, you know what it is. You know how we love to end is that first and foremost, I'm going to thank you for listening to Walking Through Glass, the podcast live. And I want to make sure that you are aware beyond a shadow of a doubt and that you know that you have the power and the authority to transform your situation. So get clear about what you really want, which will lead to you being confident about who you are called to be and allow you to stay consistent on how you are called to serve. And that's what we got for you on this Uh -uh. conversation of walking through glass. And so we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And remember to share with, I don't know, a thousand of your amazing friends. All right. Thanks everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. (laughs) 